0: Welcome to the Great Loop Radio Podcast, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today we'll be covering one of the many Great Loop side trips. We'll be talking about the Upper Mississippi, which is kind of the road less traveled. A lot of loopers don't head up that way Um, unless they are exploring and taking some side trips. Or, of course, we have some members who start from further up on the Mississippi and join the main route when they get to the Illinois Waterway-Mississippi River intersection. So that's our topic today. Before we jump in, I do want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Great Loop Yacht Sales, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners and viewers to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. And with that business out of the way, I'd like to go ahead and welcome our guest. Uh, Dick Husingfeld is a not quite yet Gold Looper because he's doing a whole lot of side trips on the way. Um, I was about to introduce you as one of our Gold Loopers, Dick. Um, But Dick and his wife, Louise, have been aboard for several years working on their Great Loop and really taking the time to, to explore. So Dick, thank you for joining me today.
1: Well, <clears throat> thank you Kim for inviting me. It's, it's a pleasure. Yeah.
0: I'm thrilled to have you because uh, as we were chatting right before we started you're um, quickly becoming kind of one of those go-to people when I get questions about some of the uh, lesser explored rivers on the Great Loop because you're up there with a few other um, platinum loopers who have pretty much explored every side trip that there is and, and you're, um, You've done many of them at this point. You're actually coming to us today aboard your boat on the Ohio River, correct?
1: That's correct. Yeah, we're in uh, Marietta, Ohio, heading back down the river.
0: And that is a long side trip, just not the topic of today's, but roughly how many miles round trip will it be once you finish the Ohio side trip?
1: Uh, well, we're going to do the Ohio and the Cumberland, uh, so that'll be around 3,000 miles just this this four-month cruising season.
0: Yeah, so it's it's a, a lot of miles, a very interesting and a, definitely a road less traveled side trip. Um, and Dick and Louise have already been all the way up to Pittsburgh and are on their way back down on the Ohio R- River at this point. So we'll have to have you come back and, and talk about that one because that's a, a very different one. But at this time of year, we often have members who are, are kind of starting out their home port maybe on the upper Mississippi and they're headed towards the main Great Loop route to really kind of get started. So that's what we'll focus on today. Um, but before we jump into that, tell us a little bit about your cruising experiences so far, because you are working on the Great Loop but taking your time to do it.
1: Yes, um, we're we're in an Endeavor uh, trawler cat forty four, um, and you know which we we selected not only because it has a lot of room. Uh, but also because it has an air draft of only fourteen and a half feet, so that allows allowed us to uh, uh, you know take it um, through the entire Erie Canal, western and eastern part, uh, up up the uh, Champlain, <clears throat> um, and of course had no trouble in the, with the Chicago bridges. Um, we bought Nine Lives in late two thousand and sixteen in Saint Petersburg, Florida. Uh, co- coincidentally, utilizing Michael Martin as our buyer's broker, mm-hmm. uh, we'd met we'd met him at an intro to looping event in Charleston a few months earlier, where we also met Cindy Lewis uh, who arranged the financing and Ken Marks who arranged the insurance. So that was uh, that was <clears throat> a, a great event to to attend. In our case, uh, we had a bit of work done at Endeavors Boatyard in St. Petersburg, uh, and then we headed down. The coast to the Okeechobee in late January, <clears throat> crossed Florida and made our way up the Atlantic intracoastal waterway to Hilton Head, arriving about a month later. Um, this was only a few months after Hurricane Matthew slammed Georgia and the Carolinas. Uh, so many marinas north of Jacksonville <clears throat> were not yet back in service. Uh, the next few months were a whirlwind of preparations before heading north in May. The idea was to get into Lake Ontario at Oswego, cross to Kingston, and then circumnavigate that lake before retracing our route back to Hilton Head. Uh, before buying nine lives, we'd already arranged to meet overseas friends in England for a canal boating holiday in September, so we had to get home before the end of August. Uh, you know, so that's a bit longer shakedown cruise than you know than most people <laughs> do. We, we thought we thought it was it was worth doing, but no to others. Uh, boating in the Carolinas in August is not fun. Uh, it's a little, a well, you
0: know, it's hot everywhere. <laughs> <So>. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for a variety of reasons, we only got as far as Oswego before we had to turn around. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, this extended shakedown did serve to demonstrate that our cat Tucker had no interest in becoming a boat cat. So he now <laughs> stays. He now stays with friends while we're cruising. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2018 saw us retrace some of the 2017 route, but included a stop in Norfolk to attend the Spring Rendezvous. Uh, but then instead of entering the Erie Canal again, uh, we took the Champlain route to the St. Lawrence in Montreal. After spending four nights in the Old Town at the excellent Yacht Club, the Montréal, we headed up the St. Lawrence to the Ottawa River, following that up to Ottawa, where we spent three nights on the wall in the centre of the city before heading down the Rideau towards Kingston. From there, it was a conventional looper route to Trenton and then up the Trent Severn to Georgian Bay. But here we departed the usual looper path and headed south, west, and then north up the Bruce Peninsula towards Tobermory, before heading south along the Canadian shore of Lake Huron to Sarnia and then Detroit. The Detroit River got us into Lake Erie, where we followed the southern route, or southern shore to Cleveland, Erie, and Buffalo, among other stops, entering the western Erie Canal in late September. This took us to Winter Harbor and Brewers and where we'd range for heated storage until the following May. Leaving Winter Harbor in the spring of 2019, we headed first to the Two Finger Lakes, reachable by water from the Erie Canal, uh, Cayuga with Ithaca at its southern end, and Seneca with Watkins Glen at its southern end. From there, we headed out the Oswego Canal to explore the Thousand Islands area and the upper St. Lawrence as far as Brockville before turning around and heading back to Kingston. We retraced our route up the Trent Severn, but upon exiting, turned right and followed the conventional looper route through Georgian Bay to Killarney and then the North Channel to Sault Ste. Marie. In late September, we dropped nine lives off at Drummond Island Yacht Haven, where we'd again arranged for heated winter storage. 2020 was the COVID year, and once it appeared that little of interest would be open in Michigan and none of the restaurants, we decided to stay home, leaving nine lives at Drummond Island. 2021 was spent circumnavigating Lake Michigan, doing the Michigan side in June and early July, then crossing over to Chicago and then up to Green Bay and Door County before turning around to join the looper pack, ready to head down the Illinois River after Labor Day. We had intended to leave nine lives and heated storage somewhere on the western side of Lake Michigan, making it for a shorter run up the Mississippi in 2022. However, there are few boatyards with a 75-ton travel if necessary to handle nine lives width, being a catamaran, and none of them were interested in one-and-done storage contract. They wanted to keep their space available for the ever-larger seasonal contingent and had little interest in serving transients. So, in fact, we ended up going all the way south to Pickwick Lake and Aqua Yacht Harbor, where we could leave the boat in the water without significant winterization being needed, but in the hands of a reputable boatyard for the inevitable maintenance. That brings us to 2022, last year, when we did the Upper Mississippi side trip.
0: So it's a pretty, um, how many miles do you, I'm guessing you probably know, <laughs> but do you know how many miles it is that you've covered so far aboard Nine, nine Lives?
1: Uh, I haven't totaled all of the years, uh, but certainly uh, we expect to cross our wake in St. Petersburg and in the, in the around Christmas, 2024 so eight years after we bought her um and i'm certain we'll have done over ten thousand miles uh and probably closer to 15 by that time I, I i know at the start of this year we had already done 360 locks
0: wow so um this year as you said you're doing the ohio and the cumberland rivers have you already done the tennessee
1: uh, ju- just uh, back and forth to uh pickwick <clears throat> um mm-hmm. And So we'll do the Tennessee at the start uh, of our uh, looping uh, season, probably next fall, and I haven't planned it out yet um, whether we uh, essentially go up to Knoxville after the fall rendezvous or try to fit the Tennessee in before the fall rendezvous, but we definitely want to attend that before we head down to Tom Bigby to, to the Gulf.
0: And just that that distance from Pickwick to St. Petersburg before you officially cross your weight, correct?
1: Yeah, that's all that's left. So we've we've uh, I, I guess we've done about eighty percent, eighty-five percent of the of the normal loop length.
0: Yeah, I would say so for sure. And we're going to have to have you back multiple times because there's so many different things that we could talk about with the cruising style that you've done, including um, cruising in segments. And thank you, uh, the different storage yards you mentioned are all AGLCA sponsors. So thank you for supporting our sponsors, as are the people you mentioned from the Charleston Looper Lifestyle, um, where you kind of kicked everything off and and used our sponsors to find your boat and insure and finance it. So thank you for all of that. Um, So it was last summer, correct, that you did the Upper Mississippi? Correct. So, uh, tell us about that. You know, um, you know. First of all, let's start with kind of the broad stroke. What are the overall trip stats for that one?
1: Um, well, last uh, we cruise in about four month segments, and so we did twenty three hundred and fifty nine statute miles last summer. Uh, but that includes almost nine hundred uh, miles from Pickwick to Alton and back. So the mm-hmm. side trip if you were starting at, uh, say, Grafton or Alton, is about 1,500 miles, uh, say, to and from the mouth of the Illinois River.
0: And so from the mouth of the Illinois on up the upper Mississippi, and that's what we're kind of defining as the upper Mississippi today. Uh, Most loopers, if, if for those who kind of follow the route along, most loopers will do a portion of the upper Mississippi from Alton and Grafton to where it intersects with the Ohio River, um, right. so we're kind of talking about the, the the road less traveled again, the portion that most loopers don't do. So, um, how many days or weeks did it take you to do the trip? And you know, what's the kind of the end of navigation on the Upper Mississippi?
1: Well, we we were aboard for 102 days, uh, 19 of which were on the Pickwick to Alton segment. So about about eighty eighty to eighty five days on the uh on the conventional say upper mississippi segment um Mm -hmm. the number of uh you know we we had 32 travel days on that uh on that segment um and 48 locks you know going going back and forth again on on that segment
0: and i I really didn't realize it was that many locks but it, it kind of makes sense if you kind of think about that area you're going through. But so it sounds like you traveled about one in every four days or so on average?
1: Um, yeah, something like that. We, we had a couple of delays. Uh, we, we spent almost a week at uh, Port Charles Harbor to have some pump issues dealt with. Um, and then when we got up to St. Paul, uh, we, uh, we stayed in the uh, Watergate Marina there for two weeks and that gave louise a chance to fly home for uh, for a week of r&r away from me (laughs) (laughs) well Uh, i I
0: definitely go ahead
1: yeah i mean mean, it it turns out that the airport as a crow flies minneapolis st paul airport was probably no more than two miles from the marina and yet we never heard a, a, a plane or anything like that the marina almost seems like it's uh in a remote part of the of the Carolinas, <clears throat> it, um, it's uh, but yet it's it's almost in the center of the of the Twin Cities. It's, it was really quite remarkable.
0: That is interesting. Um, so one of the things I want to talk about your specific itinerary and the stops you made, but one of the things that is different about side trips is is kind of by definition, um, you know, the Great Loop route itself. You never have to backtrack. You can continue around the loop and never cover the same piece of water twice. Side trips are, are uh, rivers that connect to that main route, but once you go to the end of navigation or wherever you're going on that river, you do have to turn around and backtrack. So since you've done a lot of side trips, what do you find is the best way to plan for that? Do you meander up and then, you know, when you're backtracking on the way back to the main Great Loop route, do you just kind of skip through everything or do you try and plan your itinerary so that you're doing some of the stops on the way there and some on the way back?
1: Well, we'd had a bit of a, a dry run with that the year before when we circumnavigated Lake Michigan, <clears throat> so we only had one chance on the Michigan side, and that was north to south as we came from Drummond Island. Uh, but on the on the Wisconsin side, <clears throat> or the Illinois-Wisconsin and Wisconsin side, uh, we you know we went north first, and then and then went south, uh, and it just turns out that <clears throat> the major stops on that side are about 25 miles apart. So when we're doing it, Uh, 50 miles a day, we could do every other one going northbound and then fill in with the alternatives uh, southbound. Uh, It didn't quite work out that way on the Mississippi, and part of that might have been, well, it was due to a couple of factors. One was that we uh, had an unexpected uh, extended stay in Dubuque, Iowa, uh, so that I could rent a car and drive home to uh, help move my mother into uh, assisted living we didn't think she she would uh, get an apartment that quickly and so when one came up we had to change our schedule and so that meant um, you know making adjustments on on the return trip and uh, taking some places out of our uh, itinerary Uh, the other reason is that although the dams uh, i mean mississippi below the last lock uh had historic low water as probably everybody will recall in, you know in the late summer and fall last mm-hmm. year um but the the dams uh they kept the pools the pool levels more or less normal maybe a foot or two below normal but that was still enough that uh you know a number of the small marinas <clears throat> that are off uh, off the river uh they they had silted up in their mouths uh and these are small marinas and boat clubs that don't have the budget for uh regular uh dredging and so we just couldn't get into them and so that that forced a change in the itinerary as well, but the plan had been to stop in different places uh on on the way on the return trip
0: and what does nine lives draw
1: um probably a little over well with a full load of fuel, definitely. Uh, a little over three and a half feet in freshwater, a little mm-hmm. under three and a half feet in in seawater. But.
0: Yeah, so not a particularly um, deep draft there, but uh, yes, the, the lows on the Mississippi were pretty incredible last year. And it was my first trip through there, um, but Michael's third. And he was just completely like blown away by the difference in how the Mississippi was perceived. Because when the water is at normal depth, it seems like such a wide river. But as shallow as it was, it, it didn't seem like what you hear about the mighty Mississippi for the portion that we did. We didn't go up where you were, um, but that, por- you know, the portion that most loopers do from the Illinois to the Ohio.
1: Well, well, for example, uh, Boston Bar, just just upstream from Cairo, uh, where the Ohio joins the Mississippi, uh, is, a, is a common anchorage before people, southbound people, go to Paducah. Um, and on our way up, we anchored in there, probably had five feet of water under the boat as we as we cross the sandbar that you know that then takes you into the into the creek or or into the chute um and on our way back we took a photograph of it and that sandbar was at least four feet out of the water uh so the river down there had dropped uh, you know the better part of 10 feet
0: yeah boston bar was one that was inaccessible by the time we got there last year so um different anchorages used and you know, it, it all worked out. There were a lot of loopers last year nervous about that because, as you said, a lot of the kind of usual spots to um, drop the hook for the night weren't really accessible, but there were plenty of others and it all worked out. And you left Alton and started to head up the Mississippi <laughs> to the upper Mississippi. Um, yeah. Kind of explain your itinerary or itinerary from there. What, what were the, the main stops that you made along the way?
1: Yeah, as as I mentioned, uh, we we had to have some uh, work done. Uh, we lost uh, the uh, generator water pump um, coming up the uh, <clears throat> north of, north of Cairo, um, and uh, <clears throat> so had to had to get that replaced. Um, and uh, as far as we knew, Port Charles Harbor was the only boatyard <clears throat> that uh, you know that, that could deal with it. So from Alton, we went to. Port Charles, and that allowed us to discover uh, probably one of the certainly one of the top five towns on the loop with St. Charles, Missouri. It's a suburb of, of Missouri, uh, a distant suburb of Missouri uh, that uh, <clears throat> is ten miles from the Mar- from the Port Charles Harbor. But because we were the only transient there, the the marina lent us their uh, courtesy car for 5 days uh and, and for our private use and that let us get into into that town and uh you know that that was really fantastic the restaurants mm-hmm. the boutiques the the you know the shops <clears throat> uh, what they've done with their waterfront on the missouri river uh you know that was beautiful uh once we once we got the pump situation resolved uh <clears throat> then uh, we headed up river to Rockport, Illinois, which uh, has the Two Rivers uh, Marina, and uh, I think Gold Loopers uh, Cal and Sally Logan—that's their their home port. So we mm-hmm. we were we were able to to, uh, to see them. Uh, we spent a, <clears throat> spent a couple of nights there. Uh, then on up to Quincy, Illinois, uh, where we stayed at the Quincy Boat Club. Facilities, and that's kind of strange. It's 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 a boat club without any boats. Uh, it's it's really a social club with a, a transient dock for maybe three or four uh, looper sized boats. Uh, wow. But they're but they're <clears throat> they're a wonderful bunch. They've got a you know a fantastic clubhouse that is actually built on steel pilings above the river, uh, and it's got a, a, a panoramic view of, of of the river, the chute, and the, and the town itself. Uh, and, and Quincy is, is 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 another one of those neat towns with a lot of history. Uh, most mm-hmm. of it associated uh, with uh, Abraham Lincoln. Wow. Uh, then we stayed there for two nights. Uh, and then uh, went up to uh, Keokuk, Iowa. Uh, <clears throat> there's a, a yacht club there, long concrete dock uh, with a, you know with a restaurant. Um, there's that's. That's one of those towns that uh, is struggling to, you know, find a new purpose, I guess, Mm -hmm. has has a lot of history. Uh, Two days there. Um, Then Burlington, Iowa, uh, at the Bluff Harbor Marina. uh, And we were on the phone almost every day for a week with them as the water levels dropped six inches, rose six inches, uh, because he was really concerned whether or not we'd be able to, to get in. Right, and we did uh, stir up quite a bit of mud getting in, and we stirred up a lot more getting out two days later. Uh, and we and we did not go back there um, on the on their return trip because uh, <clears throat> the water had just dropped another foot, and we wouldn't be able to uh, wouldn't be able to uh, enter it
0: yeah well, and how scary was that while you were there you know knowing that the water could go up or down and down was gonna be a, a bad thing for you um was there any fear of being stuck there for a period of time um,
1: not so much because we you know we could see that the pools you know the i mean even though the lower mississippi um or I'd say below uh chain of rocks lock uh you know was was really uh, short of water the the uh, purpose of the dams is to maintain the pool levels above the dams. And so they weren't releasing any water to help out anybody downstream. Uh, And so, you know, and and so we didn't think that uh, the water levels would change drastically Mm -hmm. uh, for the, for the day or two that we were there and and we were getting some rain at least, Uh, you know, so that, that, that worked out.
0: Okay, and then what was the next stop after that?
1: From Burlington, it was on to Muscatine, Iowa, um, and they they have a town marina that's you know essentially in the center of uh, of town, which is nice, uh, but according to their own parks and recreation uh, people, it was poorly designed, so it silts up all the time, and uh, uh, they they couldn't take us there, uh, but they had an old concrete wall <clears throat> that. Uh, uh, the tour boats or large, large river vessels sometimes uh, you know uh, tie up to, um, and uh, they allowed us to to tie up there, uh, which you know which which was uh, also on this on a city park and uh, easy walk to downtown. Uh, Muscatine is another one of those you know old towns uh, at one time. They were essentially the the pearl button capital of the world. A unique claim to fame. <laughs> they had no had no fewer than forty three factories making buttons.
0: Wow. <laughs> strange
1: strange kind of place, but mm-hmm. interesting. Um, yeah. And then it two nights there, uh, and then it was on to Quad Cities, Iowa, uh, which is uh, what is it Davenport and Bettendorf. Iowa and Rock what Rock Island and something else, uh, Illinois. But mm-hmm. the four, four cities essentially close together. Um, and we really struggled to find uh, dockage there. And ultimately, uh, we were at the Lindsay Park Yacht Club in East Davenport. <clears throat> uh, and, and there are you know, several large marinas, uh, but the one at the uh, casino in Bettendorf, they don't spend any money to uh dredge and so other than a i think a fireboat <clears throat> um, it was totally unused and probably has 50 slips well
0: uh, not even small boats
1: not, not, yeah not even small boats
0: well, uh, there, was, there was another
1: another very large marina that looked like it was uh, mostly uh seasonal slip holders but it was run by a restaurant and uh our, our take was that the restaurant was only interested in, uh, you know, in voters coming in to eat, not, uh, not transients for, for overnight. I, I went, I ran up there with my dinghy and, uh, you know, had a good look around and <clears throat> that's what one of the guys in the docks said. that they, <laughs> they just, they just don't answer the phone for, uh, for transients somehow. Uh, okay. But anyway, you know, we had, a, we had a great time at Lindsay Park, uh, very friendly people uh, <clears throat> and we were able to, to dinghy, into um, you know the, the 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 town has a nice uh, dingy dock here, um, for uh you know for seeing the deer the John Deere museum and uh, and several restaurants in the area so that's that's what we did there for a couple of, a couple of days
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and as we headed further north uh, we uh we we spent one night at Island City Harbor in Cebula, Iowa um uh, there's not, not too much to, uh, you know, to say about that. Uh, and then it was the port of the Dubuque Marina, uh, which is probably, well, easily the best Marina on the river. Um, it's come the closest, uh, comparable, I guess would be Trentport Marina and Trenton. Uh, you know, that's really, pretty high
0: standard to uh, compare it to. That, <laughs> that is.
1: And, uh, and it's and it's right on the you know completely redone waterfront uh, there's a there's a uh, museum there uh, <clears throat> miles and miles of bike paths along along the waterfront there's a casino there's a convention center <clears throat> there's there, there's just a lot to do and relatively easy access walking or bike riding into uh, the restaurants of the of, of the city center uh that one is a little bit unique in that it has flood doors uh so that when the Mississippi is high, oh. they can close the flood doors and you're completely protected behind wow. the <clears throat> behind the wall and those doors
0: hmm interesting
1: um we stayed two nights there because we knew we were gonna spend a lot more time on the way back mm-hmm. uh then it was uh gutenberg or guttenberg i guess uh <clears throat> uh municipal marina. In Guttenberg, Iowa, for for one night. There's not much to the town, but the marina is 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 nice. Uh, and Naughty, uh, Nauti, N A U T I, Naughty Marina in McGregor, Iowa. Uh, that one was uh, just uh, under new management, and and their slips are perpendicular to the river, and so they really attract <clears throat> a lot of the floating debris. And uh, as we approached, they they had to take one of their work boats to drag a couple of large trees out of the slip so that we could get in. Uh, That's not too
0: a, comforting. <laughs>
1: no, and then of course, as as we're perpendicular to the current, it's uh, you know you, re- you really have to time it <clears throat> to uh, to get into the slip without you know scraping along the sides. Right. Uh, <clears throat> but the thing that surprised us was that you know that they, they they just took these trees these. <clears throat> uh and uh drag them out to the middle of the river and, and let them go. I mean <laughs> <laughs> why not drag them far up on the shore and then chip them or, or you know saw them or chip right. them or whatever. But mm-hmm. anyway. Uh <clears throat> so one night there. Um and then one of our favorite places uh was is La Crosse, Wisconsin. And we were at the Pettibone Boat Club, which is on an island actually. <clears throat> uh, and so we had to dinghy across but lacrosse has a very nice uh uh small boat dock on the on the river wall in the, in the center of town and uh, you know so every night we went to a restaurant different restaurant and we were just able to to dinghy the 10 minutes or so uh from the pettibone boat club to to the town dock uh, it's much quicker than uh it's kind of a long way around to cycle uh, on a busy road and uh, it's even longer to walk uh, so so taking the dinghy was <clears throat> was a great way to do that um, then we had a you know, relatively short trip to trepelo marina <clears throat> or american marines uh, trepelo marina in, in Trempolo, wisconsin uh, one night uh, alma marina in alma wisconsin one night and then uh, Lake City Marina in uh, in Lake City, Minnesota, which is on Lake Pepin. That's a uh, a part of the Mississippi that is uh you know miles wide and miles long. It's a, it's like a giant lake, uh, and uh, we spent a couple a couple of nights there. It's starting to get into suburbs of uh, or distant suburbs of Minneapolis at at that point, and so there were. A lot of um, Minneapolis, St. Paul boaters keep their keep their boats there, including a lot of sailboats. Many more sailboats than we saw in the rest of the Mississippi combined, because the lake is large enough and deep enough uh, that uh, you know it can accommodate sailors. But but interestingly, the town itself really has very little to offer. We after two days at Lake City, we uh, went north to Red Wing, Minnesota, to the Old Miss Marina. Um, and uh, you know, Red Wing's another one of those uh, neat towns that you, you can actually cycle there from Minneapolis, Saint Paul. That's uh, <clears throat> they've got old rail beds and levees <clears throat> that uh, have been converted to cycle paths. So it's uh, uh, we we didn't do that. <clears throat> but uh, other people have. Then there's a tributary of the Mississippi up there called the St. Croix River, um, and that is really a boater's river. Uh, there are a lot of marinas. Uh, the uh, <clears throat> it's probably you know our favorite part of the of, of that Mississippi side trip was actually the St. Croix, uh, and we spent. On the way up, we spent three days at, uh, at Hudson at the St. Croix Marina uh, before heading to the Watergate Marina in St. Paul, Minnesota, which is just below the last lock that you can go through. I think it's lock two. Uh, lock one is is no longer working, um, <clears throat> but we, we didn't go through lock two. So we, we stayed at the uh, at a Watergate Marina for, uh, for, like I said, for two weeks
0: definitely a fascinating trip up the river because uh lots of towns that many loopers never see or even dream of taking their boat to Uh, let's take a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors um when we come back just we might touch on some of the highlights if there are anything different on the way back down and um you know also any um kind of unexpected things that maybe happened along the way and we'll wrap up with uh just kind of your take on what might attract people if people are on the fence about this particular side trip, whether or not it's something that they should consider. So we'll be back in a moment. Dawtaw Island, created by nature and reserved just for you. A hidden gem of the South Carolina low country, Da-ta Island is a private community catering to the active lifestyle. Golf, tennis, pickleball, croquet, bocce, 33-acre nature preserve, and the full-service Dautau Island Marina. Just outside of historic Beaufort, South Carolina, and a short ride to Charleston, Savannah, and Hilton Head. Reserve your overnight stay and call ahead to arrange use of the island's amazing amenities. Marine Tech Services is on-site to cater to all your repairs and maintenance. Destination, Dautau Island. Visit Dautau.com. That's D-A-T-A-W dot com. Prop Talk is an Annapolis based company founded in the summer of 2005 by active Chesapeake Bay boaters. The company produces Prop Talk magazine, a monthly newsprint magazine focused on Chesapeake Bay power boating and the lifestyle surrounding boating on the bay. Every issue of Prop Talk is distributed at more than 850 carefully chosen and closely monitored locations throughout the Mid Atlantic. Prop Talk's coverage goes deep rather than wide, and the magazine celebrates the people, places, boats, personalities and events that make the chesapeake one of the world's premier boating grounds thanks for reading and supporting the chesapeake bay's boating magazine we're back on the great loop radio podcast my guest today is dick Husingfeld. he is filling us in on his side trip to the mississippi the upper mississippi river which he did with his wife louise aboard their endeavor cat nine lives and um dick you kind of got us all the way up to the st paul area um, any notables on the way back towards the main great loop route that you want us to know about?
1: Yeah, there, there were, there were a couple of uh, <clears throat> uh, different stops on the way back. Uh, we went back up the St. Croix uh, <clears throat> and uh, stayed at the Bayport Marina. Unfortunately, the, where we really wanted to be was Stillwater. Uh, but one of the marinas was being dredged and the other uh, wasn't taking any transients. And so we, uh, we spent a few days at uh, at Bayport and uh, dingied to to Stillwater. It's about a four mile uh, dinghy ride, uh, so mm-hmm. not, you know, not, not too bad. <clears throat> and uh, and there's some great restaurants and shops in uh, in St- Stillwater, so that that enabled us, to, you know, to see that that part of the uh, Saint Croix River as well. Um, another place that you know, on the way back that we stopped at is uh, Wabasha at uh in Minnesota, the Mississippi Parkside marina, and Wabasha has the National eagle Center uh, and uh, it's an interpretive center uh they also take in <clears throat> injured eagles uh, and uh, you know try to restore them to to health and uh, some are are used as uh, in, in discussions uh, and and exhibits uh because they you know they they can't fly anymore, or whatever. But that was that was a fascinating afternoon that, that we spent there. Um, and then a, a, another different place was Winona, uh, Minnesota. And uh, <clears throat> you know what is it? The Billy Joel song, "The Piano Man." Said, you know, there's kind of lines and man, what are you doing here?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, there's
1: a there's a restaurant <clears throat> in Winona, and our first thought after you know we got to the you know through the through the starters and the, and the main course arrives and what in the world is a restaurant like this doing in, in winona
0: <laughs> minnesota
1: mm-hmm. I mean, it it wouldn't be out of place in any of the large foodie capitals of the, of the world there was uh <clears throat> it was some I, I just forget the name nosh kitchen and something or other but uh mm-hmm. just a just, just a fantastic uh restaurant uh we spent uh you know again spent time in La Crosse, Wisconsin, uh, but then stopped in Marquette, Iowa, uh, where there's a riverboat um tour company and, and they have a little more dock space than they can <clears throat> they can use. Uh so we you know we were uh, able to take advantage of of, of that facility and and <clears throat> at that time of year that which was early september they were only running tours on the weekend so there was actually no one to take our money uh, so <laughs> it was there was a free overnight mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the best kind um and then i think for the most part we uh oh yeah there there was <clears throat> there was a stop in uh in fort Madison. um they had just completed um a new town run marina um, and we saw it on the way up it wasn't in uh, in quimby's guide uh, but we saw what was happening on the way up and, and so we, we said okay we should find out whether they're going to be open for transients on, on the way back and they were they hadn't yet put in power and water uh, but the docks were were uh, <clears throat> were brand new and and so it was, it was an interesting stop they've got a an old fort along the waterfront that, uh, that can be visited. But again, that time of year, only on the weekends. So that didn't, that didn't work out for us, but another interesting stop uh, yeah. And then, and then we were back in Alton. So mm-hmm. we didn't, like I said, we didn't have as many <clears throat> different stops on the return trip as, as, uh, as we had uh, initially planned.
0: Right. So tell us, you know, and that's a, a pretty significant number of miles, a lot of days on a side trip. What are some of the unexpecteds that came up along the way? Uh
1: well, first of all, the lock keepers were far friendlier than on the Illinois, which which, <laughs> which I guess which I guess isn't saying all that much, but, <laughs> but we were we were pleasantly surprised. Um, the other thing that we were surprised by with reference to the locks is that um, we we had expected that you know with the experience at, at Mel Price that uh, you know these would be uh, you know large twelve hundred foot lock chambers with an auxil- a smaller auxiliary lock, but actually once you get above Mel Price they're all six hundred foot locks and single chamber with one or two exceptions, and so oh, it wow. meant that so it meant that the big toes they had to be split um and so some of these uh passages uh you know some of these split tow events could take up to three hours um but despite that we had almost zero lock wait time the whole trip uh, wow. <clears throat> so the the uh you know we were lucky in that respect i can't uh, promise that everybody will have the same experience right. and another another surprise is that many of the locks had less than a 10-foot lift and none had floating bollards so the the lock keeper just drops you a line to hold on to uh, you know much much like on some of the canals um the other surprise and i guess there was a disappointment <clears throat> is this, just a sheer number of small and medium-sized towns and cities in serious decline uh, these are wealthy outposts in the early to mid 1800s during the riverboat and westward expansion eras um But the coming of the railroads changed that and the manufacturing consolidation post-World War II really put the finishing touches to it. Uh, Very few have had the resources or the vision to reclaim the waterfronts as people spaces and encourage the repurposing of downtown spaces into accommodation to support a revitalizing core. The contributing factor is the remoteness. Many of these towns are simply too far from population centers to commute from or to serve as second or weekend home locations. Um yeah, and there were eagles everywhere, uh, lots of pelicans too, and herons uh, you know <clears throat> that's a difference from tra- last year to this year. We're not seeing much wildlife on the on the Ohio, but there was a lot on the uh, on the Mississippi yeah. and <clears throat> and of course, where there are birds there are fish, and so there were loads of fishermen and many fishing tournaments. Uh, one tournament organizer had coordinated with the lock for a dedicated, 2 p.m. lockdown and we were there in the lock with over 40 skiffs, small center console (laughs) and high speed low freeboard units during a (laughs) flash thunderstorm oh boy (laughs) yeah um the other thing is and and now that we come up the ohio we see it it must be a river thing but you know the 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 slips are all single width on the coast Mm -hmm. and in the great lakes most slips suitable for Boats our size, say 45-foot boats, are double width, typically 34 to 36 feet wide. And so nine lives can take a little over half of that when tucked in with a narrow boat. Not so on the rivers, so we mostly had to side tie to long docks, fuel docks, and T-heads. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, and with the exception of Lake City Marina Lake Pepin, the marinas along the river are far smaller than most of those on the loop route. Uh, so that's you know that's that that's a bit of the of the change. Yeah. Uh, the narrowness of the channel, despite great widths of water, uh, <clears throat> a- AIS was invaluable in avoiding passing or overtaking toes on bends or too short straight stretches. I mean we mm-hmm. we don't have we don't have a transceiver. We just uh, <clears throat> we just have a receiver. But you know so but as long as we can see them, we can you know we can negotiate over the radio, uh, explain what's happening and you know, decide to hang back or, or whatever, because, you know, once you, you don't have to be many feet out of the channel uh, and you've got no water under the boat. Right. Uh, another surprise was houseboats everywhere, including some 80-foot giants, you know, wow. and they often, they often run right up on sandy shores for beach parties and overnights. Uh, and, and a lot of people, you know, they, we talked to them at the marinas and they, they've never been outside of their pool, you know, they, mm-hmm. they have, they have a thirty-mile pool or whatever, and it's all the boating they want is is, is right there. And uh, yeah. and although it, you know, almost everybody had heard of the loop, uh, you know, very few they knew very few people who had actually done it.
0: Yeah, loopers certainly use their boats differently than um, most people who are doing local cruising. We see so many boats that have very low hours, um, even on older boats, because they just never go that far from home until that boat gets on the loop and and does. Perhaps up to you know fifteen thousand miles, like you're you're expecting, Dick. When you're all, all is said and done, but kind of as we look to wrap up, tell us, you know, as I said before the break, if somebody's on the fence about whether or not this is a side trip they want to do, you know, kind of give them something that pushes them over that edge and says, let's do this. What did you enjoy the most about your trip up the Illinois? Uh, the, sorry, the Mississippi River. Well,
1: we you know we 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 like to eat uh, Louise and I and uh, you know and although. We tend to spend time on the fine dining end of the spectrum. Uh, you know, there were there were a lot of places to in, to enjoy. Uh, so you know, if you're if you're a foodie, you know, there, <clears throat> there's 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 lots to see and do, and there's a lot of uh, you know relatively unique food shops and uh, you know and, and local local um, food stuff. I mean, we'd never. Tried cheese curds until we were in Wisconsin, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, although we saw them on on the on the on the Lake Michigan uh, trip as well, uh, <clears throat> and you know, and uh, like I said, there's there's a lot of local delicacies that, that we would try. Uh, there there are a number of places. I mean, we we like wandering around uh, the small towns and the you know and 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 the, the cities and such, and the downtown areas, just looking at the architecture. And imagining, you know, what must have been, <clears throat> you know, you can see what, you know, what money there once was. And then you read the plaques and you get a sense of, uh, of the history of the place and, uh, you know, why it existed, uh, uh, you know, why it was founded, uh, you know, what it was in its heyday. Uh, and so that's the sort of thing that, you know, that we like to do. And, uh, and uh, we know there are other people that like that as well. We don't mm-hmm. actually spend time in museums per se. Um, although I will say there are, you know, there are a couple of uh, great museums, uh, in you know, one in Dubuque, uh, and one actually at the uh, Mel Price Lock. Uh, <clears throat> that uh, that National River Museum that's there is is, is fantastic, and it's maybe what a ten minute bike ride from Alton or something like that. It's a bit too far to walk, but it's it's an easy easy bike ride, and uh, yeah. So <clears throat> those are things that you know you'd never visit those river towns even if you're an RVer, you probably wouldn't visit those those river towns. Uh, so if you have some curiosity over, you know, what, you know why these places exist uh, and, uh, you know, what happened to them, you know, the, the, doing the Mississippi side trip is a great way to satisfy that curiosity.
0: Yeah. And that's a great place to end it, I think. Uh, Dick, thank you for joining me today and sharing all these details about your journey so far and more specifically the Upper Mississippi.
1: You're very welcome. My pleasure.
0: And thank you to everyone who has watched or listened today. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Great Loop Radio podcast. Until then, safe cruising.